Thanks for stopping by to the Food Connected Podcast. My name is Lonnie Sweet, the CEO of the Connect Group. Today on the Food Connected Podcast, we're going to be talking to my good friend, Jeff Fernandez, the Vice President of Business Development and Ventures at the New York Jets. We're going to talk to Jeff about why an NFL franchise has turned to culinary as a source for new revenue, some of the programs they've done in the past, and some of the future initiatives that they see being a part of their overall marketing and sales mix. So thanks for listening in and hope you enjoy. Uh, this is Jeff Fernandez. He's the uh, VP of Corporate Partnerships uh, and New Business Ventures at the New York Jets. Uh, has been there for 15 years, I think. Is this your 15th season or 16th season? 16 seasons now. 16 seasons now. So uh, my history with Jeff is that we've probably known each other for 10 years now, um, dating back to when I was in the sports side, probably was when I initially met you, but really... You know, we started doing a lot more work, you know, six years ago as we were leading into the Super Bowl in New York City uh, where we created uh, Jets House and he was a big part of 50 Yard Lounge. And then more so than that, you know, coming out of it really just, you know, uh, we had a really strong relationship and Jeff being the really creative guy that he is, um, saw culinary as a way to help, you know, create new uh, new programming. And so we ended up creating... Jets and, chef, Jets and Chefs, excuse me, which was a part of the South, uh, the New York Food and Wine Festival, um, and then a whole bunch of other programming. So um, I thought it'd be helpful, um, Jeff, uh, for you and me, obviously, you know, just to have a conversation again about you know where culinary is, you know, as it relates to sports and how you're looking at it and how uh, you know your corporate partners are, are asking about it. And you guys are engaging it, so I, I appreciate uh, you hopping on the phone with me today. No, my pleasure, man. Uh, it, it's crazy to think that, that the stuff that we put together uh, was what, six years or seven years ago now. Um, you know, it seems like this is all still new to all of us. And, and yet, you know, when, when you formed the Connect Group, you were kind of out in front of a lot of it. But it's stuff that we're seeing every single day, whether we're creating kind of a vision of how we want to create a culinary platform to monetize it at the team level or you know, whether we're having brands that are coming to us saying, hey, what, what can we do new and different out there to kind of you know, disrupt and break through in, in this kind of sports entertainment space? Um, so we're, uh, you know, we're, we're constantly working through it, and a lot of it started with the work that we did many years ago with you. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a second, right? Because I think one of the things that really struck me about you and the team back then was kind of the, the idea that, you know, you are the New York Jets, and you are in a very crowded market in New York City, right? Not just with the the Giants, but on a sponsorship side, you're competing with the Yankees and the Mets and the Knicks and the Nets and the the Devils and the Rangers and everybody else. So, like, when you guys step back, how did culinary and the idea that you wanted to look at as a platform for your brand, how did that all come about? Yeah, I think so. Just more perspective. I mean, in the 16 years I've been here. Um, you know, we've we've constantly had uh, you know, one uh, goal, right? And that was to, to try to do things different. Because when you are in a marketplace like this, and you get 11 professional sports teams and, and Broadway and everything else that kind of competes for interest and eyeballs and entertainment dollars and things like that. Um, you know, you, you, you want to kind of be going left when, when other people are going right in order to create things that, um, you know, that can drive not only continued consumption by an existing following or fan base but you know competitively you gotta go and find new fans and new followers every single day and so we um as, as really a challenger brand in this market um 
you know, really, uh, I think from, from the time that I've been here, really try to do a lot more from an activation perspective, right? So we, in, in 2002, 2003, when, when I came into the team, we were playing in Giant Stadium. I mean, you're, play, you're playing to a venue that's named for another team. Right. And so what we did on game day was all well and good, but we were just tennis uh, there. So what we really tried to do is take our brand and take our, our partners um, and create things out in the marketplace. Um, so, you know, back then, it was a little bit more elementary, right? Whether you're doing player appearances at retail or, or whether you're doing things, um, you know, uh, d- during the summer or during the spring, you know, trying to extend outside of football season. So it's always kind of been in, in our DNA um, to, to do things that were more active and experiential. And that's we, we didn't call it experiential back then. We were just doing that kind of as a, a force of, of, of what was necessary. But as we know, today, fast forward in 2018, experiential and being part of community-based things, um, and, and obviously with the advent of social media, it's all about experiences. Right. Um, so we really started back then, um, and as you know, as you and, 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 and all the listeners know, like you know, tailgating and food and football, uh, it's, it's always been kind of tied together. I, I think some people talk about the genesis of, of tailgating going back to the, to the Civil War where you know, people would, would show up with picnic baskets and, and wine you know, to, to see a uh, you know, battle of Bull Run or something in Virginia. There, there were literally like people that came and observed and watched some of these battles and they brought food to enjoy it. But, but uh, you know, college football started the whole tailgating thing with the Ivy Leagues in the early 1900s. But it's always been part of you know, the Super Bowl era of professional football. So that was a very easy foundation, right? It's social, it's community building, it's all that stuff. So we did you know, what, what, uh, what was necessary. We, we took to the parking lots and did tailgate cook-offs. And, you know, we, 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 we did licensed deals for uh, official hot dogs and, and other things like that that could be kind of taken to retail. Um, right. But that's, you know, working with, with, with that stuff was just kind of the, the very beginning. Um, and I think that's, that's what, what the heart of it was. Um, but the big transition for us is when we really understood what, 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 what lifestyle culinary meant to, you know, to people in this space. Yeah, I think there's a difference between what's happening in the parking lot, to your point, that goes back to, you know, prehistoric days, whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? Tailgating has been part of our DNA for for so long, right? Like growing up as a sports fan, you know, I think that is the beauty of food bringing people together the same way that sports brings people together, right? Like I always tell people there's certain memories that I have in my lifetime. You know, when I see the green grass of a baseball stadium, I feel like I'm nine years old with my dad. I have the same feeling when I smell a banana bread or a certain type of food that I'm having with my mom or moments that I had in my lifetime. They're they're viscerally emotional experiences, right? And I think that's the beauty of what 
for me at least, coming from sports and going into food, there is that similarity. Um, and I think the ability, what you guys have done, and, and you know, I'd love to just hear more about the cooking school and what we did with Jets and Chefs and Jets House. For me, bringing food and sports together has an opportunity to amplify both of that. I know tailgating has been something around for a long time, but you guys have gone way beyond tailgating. I, I think better than any other team that I've seen. I mean, I know when I talk to people and people ask me kind of who's innovating in the space and, and who's doing what, you guys and you specifically are always the first ones that come to my mind. And maybe some of that's out of need, to your point, being in a competitive marketplace. But, you know, Jets and Chefs, you know, that we created or the Cooking School, which is now going on, what, the sixth or seventh season, which is amazing. Um, is that something that you guys are going out to the marketplace with? Or is it something that you're... You know, the folks that you're talking to or brands that have said no before and you need to go back out to, like, how, how does it come about? Is it you guys ideating or is it brands coming to you asking for new and different ideas? Yeah, so there's a lot there. So uh, the answer to, the, to that last part, to the final question is that it's both, right? I mean, we now actually have a strategy and a plan. We go to market. So I'd say 80% of what we do is based upon our, our own ideation and creation. Um but in this day and age, it's it's something that that, that comes both ways, right? You, you when when we were early on, it was the packaged food type company, and it was like I said, licensed products. It was very blocking easy. and tackling. Then, yeah, basic stuff. Right. Th- th- then you got somewhat into the experiential space. There were you know, sausage eating contests and other things like that, right? But Which everybody now, loves, by the way. I mean, everybody loves a good <laughs> sausage eating contest. <laughs> right. Exactly. But but now. It's, it's um, uh, you know, we, we've, we have uh, uh, current partners that are in the culinary space with us that are, you know, in the banking industry or in the auto industry or in you know, tech companies or things like that. It's a full experience, it's an integration of lifestyle that can kind of draw their brand into it and whatever those kind of brand attributes are that, that, that they're trying to communicate. And so, um, you know, for, for us, that big, transition and, and I guess going back to what you said before about the emotional part of it, it it's when when we understood that it, it, for us it boils down to two things and we still have it in our kind of business plan on the, on the culinary side it's pride and tradition so you know people have pride in their sports teams people have pride in their tailgates people that that don't even like football or, or sports have a tremendous amount of pride in their cooking and what they create. And tradition, tradition about Jets football, tradition in what you do on game day, and then family traditions and recipes that are passed along from generation to generation. So we kind of had that, like, aha, that those could could take the foundation of tailgating and make it experiential and then kind of transition this into really a lifestyle thing. That's where it really kind of took off for us. I mean, and it, it, you know, with all due respect to, to, to Julia Child, I mean, once Emerald Lagasse was able to hit the celebrity status, um, and people like uh, you know, that, 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 that were just everyday people uh, knew who he was, where he was from, loved his personality, wanted to eat at his restaurant. And, you know, it, 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 the, the kind of celebrity part of it that became Food Network and all the personalities and everything else led to us understanding um, somewhere around 2010, I would say, that you were getting this mashup of sports, music, 
entertainment, fashion, food, wine, all of it, this crossover stuff was happening and becoming, you know, pop culture. So to have Guy Fieri and the Food Network going out to NFL stadiums and doing tailgating cook-off competitions and, you know, and, and LL Cool J showing up as one of the guest judges, it all just started to kind of converge. Um, so the, the real high point for us was actually in the wine space that, that, that helped us kind of prove a little bit of a concept. We created a private label wine right. in 2010, which people are like, you know, what the fuck? I mean, you're a football team. <laughs> why? Like, nobody drinks wine at football games. Why, which, by the way, why is, is a totally it? delicious wine. I mean, I don't know if you've still got more of the white. Um, I don't remember what the, the actual varietal was, but it was really solid wine, really good. Well, so what we set out to do, right, when, when we started digging into the data, again, analytics is everything now, but back in 2010, we thought we were a little bit ahead of it mm-hmm. by by looking at and polling and, and looking into the data of how people live their life outside of game day, right? right. And what we found was, was you know, uh, almost 70% of our fans uh, drank wine, whether at home or a restaurant or parties or whatever else. Very few of them do at the stadium or did at the stadium, but in their everyday life, they did. So we found out what they typically drink, who they drink it with, where they buy it from. That, was, that must have been a tough research trip. I, I, I specifically um, remember you taking a couple of research trips and, and thinking how difficult that must have been to hang out in Napa for a couple of days. I, I, I did uh, rack up some frequent flyer miles with <laughs> Napa in order to do that. But um, I guess my point with it is, is that you know, we had become experts in the football space and in the game day environment. And that really unlocked this thing for us to understand what people do in the rest of their life. And when we got that feedback from them, we created a wine. We knew that it had to be something that was legitimate quality. So we did a 100% Napa cab with a winemaker named Marco DiGiulio, who had 57 wines and scored over 90. So he was a reputable guy. It wasn't a gimmick, right? Um, and we created the business out of it. And yeah, we, we did serve it at the stadium, but we trademarked the label. We made it a wine for, for 29 bucks that, that people were like, man, this was really, really good. And we ended up in 362 retail locations. We were in Del Frisco's. We were in restaurants and liquor stores and everything else. We ended up getting into Food Network magazine, a little feature about it. Um, like, why the heck are the Jets doing wine? And so that really started opening up our minds to, to you know, the things that people, um, you know, take pride in and they do and they, and they, they, they like to, um, uh, to take part in every day, uh, not just on Sundays, not just on football Sundays. And so the natural opener after that became how do we take the food connection and amplify it? Well, I would say not really, just on Sundays, right, but also year-round. I mean, the reality is that correct. the NFL season is only, if you're lucky, 22 weeks a year, right? So you've got another 30 weeks correct. a year that you need to create a reason to talk to people or an 100%. asset to build, right? I mean, that's the reason why the NFL is on such a good day with draft and, the and, and you know, the combine right. and all these annual things. I mean, you have to find other reasons to talk to people. Well, that's what everybody, and so, you know, all brand people know, right? They, they want to be top of mind um, 365 days a year. And so for us, with the football season being, you know, four months, uh, this, this wine allowed us to have a product 
in front of consumers and online um, every day, every holiday, every birthday, every whatever. You know, it ended up being an opportunity for us to have a touch point. And we, and we did really well. I think we lost about 8,000 cases of it, so it was a nice little business. But that really allowed us to fall into the Super Bowl with you guys and create that kind of pop-up experience, Death's House and the 50-yard lounge together, which was, was really based upon bringing the, you know, the, the high-end culinary um, and wine um, industry talent together around the biggest event of the year in this kind of uh, uh, access-driven uh, event, right? People had to pay top dollar in order to get in, but they, they ended up being treated to just phenomenal food, phenomenal social experience. Um, you know, football was overlaid into all of it. Um, and, and so that pop-up that we did with you guys really was, was a, a catalyst to everything else that came after that. Yeah. You know, what I also think is interesting is that you know, I, and I again, I eat, live, and shit this thing every single day from a culinary perspective, right? But you know, we we always say that that uh, you know, chefs want to be athletes, and athletes want to be chefs and rock stars or whatever it may be. I mean, the idea that there are, I mean, again, I I know Nick Mangold off the top of my head, obviously, who's a huge feudy, but the players, right, which are the face of your franchise, are also into this space. I mean, you're seeing, you know, not just your, you know the guys on the Jets, but you're seeing other other athletes across other sports that are engaging in this space, whether it be, you know, LeBron and, and Dwayne Wade talking about their, their wine drinking after games or investing into pizzas. I mean, how does that play too? Is this something that it's a way for you to engage with your with your players as well? Yeah, absolutely. And and that again, that ended up being that exercise of the fifty yard lounge and Jets house because you know, we were pairing um, chefs together with Current players uh, for cooking demonstrations, and there was you know, we were both filming it, but we had live audiences there as well. Um, we were taking former players and putting them together with you know Kevin Israeli, who was the sommelier at Windows on the World and a, a known um, you know um, wine industry expert, and 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 they were doing uh, tasting and wine education to to guests that were there. So um, right now, you know our ability whether it's from an event perspective, um, and we'll, we'll touch upon some of the events that we've kind of created in the last five or six years and how we've integrated brands. But on the content side, it's, it's every day. Um, so in 2018, as we sit here right now, it's, um, it, it's our biggest uh, area of um, uh, where, we, where we put our, our kind of creative juices to, to work. Is how, do we, how do we take... Um, players that um, are larger than life and have enormous social followings, put them into kind of a culinary experience of some sort, um, and then kind of overlay you know, these, these other partners that are um, leaders in, in, in industry and, and, and make it kind of a win for everybody. So, example, I'll give you, um, we had Nick Mangold recently appear on um, – uh, Food and Wine magazine does a, a brand new show, a brand new, new, new uh, digital show called um, Savor, Sip, and Spit. And Ray Isle, who's the wine editor there, did, did like a blind wine tasting slash you know guacamole and chip making tailgate themed uh, you know 30 minute um, 
you know, uh, piece that, that, that was really just, just came out of nowhere. Um, and so, you know, whether it's with Nick, whether it's, it's taking one of our players like Spencer Long, um, we took him into the city this year and he went to six or seven different burger joints in, in New York city. Um, and we filmed the whole thing and it was humor and it was a little bit of the, you know, the old David Letterman on the street stuff. And, and, uh, and at the end, it, 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 it ended up being, uh, our number one most viewed, um, digital piece that we did in the, in the, in the month wow. of November. So that's awesome. Creating the content stuff, um, is just, an, and, and the whole list more of, of what we're creating now. Uh, but you know, this ties back to what you said before, Lonnie, some of these things just stuff like, Hey, it'll be cool. It's expense for long to a bunch of burger places or whatever else, right? Um, with with Mike Pinnell, our defensive lineman, we're, we're, we did a, a, a show called, not even a show, but we did one, uh, one piece called Cooking at Home, and it was really driven by some existing partners that we had that wanted us to create more content in which their brand could be integrated, right? So Premium Sausage wanted to do something with a current player to demonstrate, you know, something that's important to him. Right. So, um, you know, we, we, we did something with it. We did something with the Institute of Culinary Education with a, uh, with a, like a paella dish. And we had a couple of former players, um, and, and, you know, produced a piece there. And, and, you know, the products that were involved were existing partners of ours. So, um, the, the content space really allows us to either create something that's important to, uh, to us from a brand perspective or to use it to go out to um, potential partners who are trying to figure out creative ways to either launch a new product or um, you know, kind of rebrand the image of something. Um, I'll give you another example, Green Giant, which everybody – you know, knows the Jolly Green Giant from, from the 70s and the 80s and the ho-ho-ho jingle. Well, they're reinventing themselves as, like, this really health-forward-thinking, um, you know, nutritionally conscious uh, company. Uh, company B&G Foods out of New Jersey owns Green Giant brand. And so they're doing everything from, um, like, zucchini um, a ca- cauliflower pizza is what I just saw. Right, and, and cauliflower cauliflower tots, potato tots. I tell people. Right, right. So um, we've had them integrated in everything from our Jets cooking school um, to our, our our Jets house to the stadium environment to some of these content pieces that I I, I talked about, um, uh, and, and so you know that. That's really allowed us to create a platform where brands can come to us and say, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Um, what can we create together on the content side that could be that could be fun? And I think, listen, people are starting to get to know that you guys are open to that. I, I, you know, listen, we all know that not every team is willing or open or able to get creative like this. And I think that you guys have done a really good job of being the one team in this area that that is open and um, – not just open, but but wants to look for more creative ways. So when 
you know, a, a green giant wants to think creative and wants to tell a different story, you you guys, because you've done such a good job, are top of mind, right? And they know that you're flexible, they know that you're willing, and you guys are obviously great partners. And I think that's uh, I think that's a, a credit to what you guys have done for sure. No, I, I appreciate it, and I, again, I think we've just grown um, by leaps and bounds over these these last you know seven or eight years because uh, the, the event side of it was so enormously successful with that PR lounge at Death House, which is now going into its, its uh, I guess, sixth, seventh season. Or, you know, our Death Cooking School, people are like, you have what? What do you do? Right. You, know, you bring together players who, you know, who have recipes from their grandmother that's, that's handed down in their family. Players come, we do small groups of, of, uh, of fans who pay for the opportunity to come um, and and uh, prepare, um, uh, uh, share, and then enjoy. Sit down and enjoy the meal that that they cook and create with players and former players, and then they walk away with all these recipes that are you know, great stories. And that's that's part of the culinary space too. It's the story that you tell yeah. or the picture that you share on Instagram of this unbelievable you know, meal that you had at this off the beaten path restaurant that you went to, or this new spice that you discovered in. Now, uh, Wegmans or in Whole Foods, it, it comes from a country that you don't even know how to pronounce, but now you know how to use it in, you know, in this in this dish. And so, um, you know, a lot of that stuff, the, the event stuff, the cooking school, our, our Jets and Chefs event that we created with you and the Wine Food Festival, that's just a lot of work. We do a taste of the New York Jets event. It's a event. lot of work, yeah. Um, it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of expense. It's from a fan engagement perspective it is a home run every time you know some of these are free some of these you know cost a little bit of money to access our taste of the new york jets is a more high-end ticket for a charity event um 21 restaurants from new york and new jersey but, but those it's a lot of burden um, we were willing to take that on because of both the potential for financial um gain but, but more importantly, um, partner and sponsor and brand integration to something that was new and different than any other sports property offered them, and then the fan experience part of it. Literally 100% of people come to these events and, and, and they, they're blown away. Like they, they love kind of the social aspect and the food aspect, and, and football is kind of sprinkled in a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, you know it's funny. I think that, you know, again – most people, when they hear the word foodie or they think about culinary marketing, they, th- they think of this gourmand as their target demo, right? Somebody that's going to white tablecloth restaurants and only eating caviar and foie gras and drinking, you know, $100 bottles of wine. The, the reality is that's changed, right? And, and it's not necessarily who, you know, we don't use the word foodie over here anymore. We use the word food connected, right? Which is the name of this, this podcast. The reality is that person's different. Right. It's not that person anymore. We, we always say that, you know, if you are, you know, a college student and you're finding creative ways to make your ramen taste better than just out of the packet, you're food connected. Or if you're a dad and you're a weekend barbecue warrior and you know your butcher by their first name, you're food connected. If you are a, a, a football fan or Jets fan and you're thinking about your tailgate on Monday or Tuesday before the Sunday, you are absolutely food connected. And it's not, you know, again, mm-hmm. I, I think that people tend to think of a, a, a culinary consumer as female driven, 
right, and has a higher discretionary income, which which in some respects is still true, but it's it's not the only person anymore, right? And I'm pretty sure that if you aligned, you know, the the traditional Jets demographic fan to a food connected consumer, they're probably pretty similar, right? My my guess is they're they're pretty similar. And I think what's really neat is that. You know, you can, and we, we've talked about this a lot, right? The beauty of food is that it's totally race, sex, social class agnostic. You can be an eight-year-old girl hanging out with your 90-year-old grandfather, and you guys are enjoying the same thing, the same way that you would enjoy football, right? And I think that's really unique, and there's not a lot of things like that. Music, you can say that kind of, but the reality is a nine-year-old is listening to something very different than a 90-year-old. Right? There's one game that a whole family can share and watch on, on Sunday. There's something about Food Network that's so great or watching food content that everybody can enjoy it together. And that's what it's about. And that's where memories are created. And that's where, from a brand perspective, they want to be because they want to be at the center of that emotional experience, that family experience, that time together. And I, I think that's kind of the beauty of all of it connected. It's so funny that you say that, Lonnie, because as I was getting ready for this podcast preparing, I went back and I looked at some of our original notes and, and uh, kind of business plan about creating this overall culinary platform with all these different touch points. And the target demo that we, back in 2010, were looking at was women, right? Because that, that's what the foodie industry was. It's skewed more female. That's That's, you know... Even though the NFL was probably about 65, 35, male, female, on game day, it's, you know, 20 or, or 85, 15. Right. And so this was an opportunity for us to get more female, probably a little bit more family, right, a little bit more, um, but then also tap into this this other audience of, of, you know, these strange foodie people who, for whatever reason, don't follow football. We're going to convert them and right. all that other stuff. but. Um, and, and what we quickly learned, while there, there certainly was some of that, it was just about this shift in culture. So it, it's unlike, um, you know, where, okay, so the millennials are this or that, right? And this is certainly part of this. But what's happened over these last two decades is just what you said, that an 85-year-old person that grew up in a depression and only ate, like, plastic soup or whatever else, um, when when they were feeling ill, now understands that there are incredible like health and healing um, you know uh, products and fruits and spices and things from all around the world that they're willing to try and do. So just the, the aggressiveness of people wanting to to um, kind of branch out and expand their their palate. It, 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 it's come across all ages and sexes and, and, and everything else, as you said. So it's really, um, it's really something when, when, when we can be a part of that um, and, and really try to tie it back to things that we're doing. But for the most part, it's just the way that, that, the, that the world and generations have, have, have now kind of morphed into, into one, the, the food that unites them all. Yeah. So listen, I don't know how much time, more time we have here, but I guess a couple things that, that I'm curious about is, 
like what's next, right? What what does the future hold for the Jets in terms of culinary? How are you guys going to be creating? Is there anything you guys want to, that you want to talk about that kind of is is, is up and coming that you're excited about? Um, well, I think it's as we've sat here and we've we've started to evaluate all the existing things that we've done, right? And so we've had a couple. We've added a few more. As I said before. To me, um, our focus is starting to shift heavily into, um, uh, you know, kind of content generation. Just because right. you could you could produce so much more, be a lot more creative, reach a lot more people, um, uh, 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 as opposed to kind of the event side of the business. I, I think uh, we continue to to, to want to look at if there's uh, a joint venture out there for for us to formally enter into. Um, you know, from an investment perspective, that could uh, could really unite two or three parties to, to kind of figure out what's next. Right. At the end of the day, we're a, you know, Forbes, I think, rated us at two point six billion dollars as a sort of organization, but one hundred and twenty-five employees. So, for us to really go to this next level, we would need to look at a joint venture, an LLC, whatever else. Um, so, I, we we've begun this process of figuring out. How we we uh, revamp and or shed some of the things that we've already talked about that's that, that are on the event side, and or how we kind of reinvent them. Um, you know, we're we're we are moving forward and and uh, building out um, a, a state of the art production studio at our training facility, um, which is going to take our content creation capabilities probably fivefold. Um, and so we will we will have a side production company. That's great. So as we build out as we build out this studio, um, you know you can kind of think of like a you know what today's show kind of studio with a few different pods, and you got the sort of couch seating, and you got this, and you got that, and you got kind of whatever, uh, like uh, almost like the NFL Network where you've got a tough field that where you could you know uh, show some plays. But but we're going to have a kitchen set up as part of the studio. Um, so more of the live streamed, um, you know, kind of content creation in the, uh, just as we said, mixing kind of food, football, music, whatever else, use this as a true kind of mouthpiece to everything. So I think that's the big piece that we do. That's actually and, really exciting. That's awesome. No, it's great. And, 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 and it's, it allows us uh, back to the core of this is how do we, um, Listen to partners, listen to brands, um, like anything else. We've got some of this figured out, but there are a lot of people that have it probably, you know, uh, they probably have a better understanding of exactly what they want to do, right? right. But what we, what we run into every day with brands is um, for different levels, right? The people that know exactly how they want to play in this culinary space. Uh, the second level is the people that know they've got to be in there and they're doing some things, but they don't really have a rudder. They're just doing it. And the third are those that are clueless and need to be educated about why they have to be in this space. So it sounds like my world every day. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the so idea that people don't realize that, they, that, that when they're you know, looking at their mix, their product mix of how they want to talk to a marketplace, right, I think – Tradition, and you know, you know, right? We, I've told you this before. The reason I got into culinary is that there's a white space, and people think when they've got X amount of dollars that you're going to put it towards entertainment, sports, and music, and that's all that's out there, right? And obviously, variances of all of that, right? But 
you know, when, when people people know that food is there and they know that it's a cultural culturally relevant topic and they know that it's lifestyle, but they don't other than that, they don't they don't know how to engage in it. Right? And and it is an education process. And once that light goes on like it did for you guys eight years ago, like the world opens up in terms of how you engage in it. Right. And, and I think the Correct. idea that you guys are doing it, building a studio and 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 creating it, it's it's awesome. It's really it's uh yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think that that's it, man. Like like um, up to this point, we could go to people, or if people came to us and say, "Here are the eight things that we're doing in the space," right? And so one of those should probably work for you, um, and, and or if you want to be at the stadium, uh, clearly that's an area where we've kind of changed the whole social and food experience. So there's options for them there. So we made nine things that people can do right. now. Where we're going to in the future is really being able to be more consultative on, on this. So what is it that you're trying to solve for? What, you know, what, what, what's the problem? Um, how can we be part of the solution? And what should we create to address that? So it's really starting from a white, uh, you know, whiteboard perspective of, of what's the challenge? Um, what do you think is a good path? Let's figure it out together, create something that's really going to have a major impact. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, dude. Well, listen, I uh, I appreciate the time. Um, you know, this this podcast is all new for me, and I, I can't think of a better person to have an initial conversation with than you. Um, you're awesome, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, well, I, I respect what you've been able to do over the years, and again, it's not easy to be a visionary, but you've been out there fighting a good fight, and, and uh, you know what what you, you've been able to accomplish with. Uh, you know, with Super Bowls and, and MLB All-Star Games and the talent that you represent and, and things like this podcast, just continue to, to spread the word. It's it's good for, for all of us. And, and uh, you know, I congratulate you on the success you've had so far. You've been a great partner of ours. And as always, we've got to figure out what this what this next thing is and, and tackle it together. Agreed. I got something for you that I'm going to call you offline about. Something we've talked about before, uh, but it's, gonna, it's uh, about to come back, so. All right. Well, I created the new Jets one. I know that you're a Patriots fan, but I'll pour it into a decanter and we can share it that way. I don't think okay? we need to. I don't think we need to go in so deep into that. Knowing that you are also a New England guy, not a New England Patriots fan, I know that you're saying that you're not because you've been with the Jets for so long. I know you are a Red Sox fan. Obviously, we share that love. Um, but listen, I think we both uh, we bleed Massachusetts for sure together. Oh, and we. Uh... We, we've, we've done a lot over the years and I appreciate everything. 